what's happening when it comes to the critical area of sales and marketing alignment. In today's episode, Douglas Burdett and Kathleen Booth share fresh insights on what's working and what needs to change. Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine, Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. I enjoy helping generous leaders grow revenue and impact. We're just wrapping up the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge. If you missed it, no worries. You can catch all of the recordings at www.2021alignmentchallenge.com or simply text the word ALIGNMENT to 21000. That's ALIGNMENT to 21000. Today, we're going to hear a segment from the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge. You're going to meet two experts with fresh and relevant insights as to what's working and what's not working when it comes to sales and marketing alignment. Douglas Burdett is the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, where he has interviewed over 300 authors. He's also the founder of Artillery, helping manufacturers with complex sales grow revenue. This gives Douglas on-the-ground experience at the intersection of sales and marketing. Our second guest is Kathleen Booth. She's the host of the Inbound Success Podcast, where she takes a deep dive into all topics related to inbound marketing and selling. Kathleen also serves as the Vice President of Marketing at Clean.io, giving her fresh perspectives and insights on what's happening in the world of sales and marketing alignment. You're also going to meet the co-host of the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge, Jim Carr. You'll remember him from a previous episode of the Revenue Growth Podcast. Jim is the author of one of my favorite books, The Science of Customer Connections. In today's conversation, We'll talk about the current state of marketing and sales alignment, we'll explore best practices, and we'll also talk about what needs to change. You're going to get a lot from this conversation, so grab a pen and a notepad and get ready to learn after a word from our sponsors. This is going to be a really good conversation. What we want to talk about today, just to set the stage here, is what's going on right now in sales and marketing alignment? What are the trends? What do do we need to be thinking? What are the imperatives as we look forward on all of this? And so I'm just curious right now, when you think about sales and marketing alignment, how have you seen sales and marketing alignment evolve over the last few years? Who wants to give that one a stab first? 
I'm happy to start. Um, I guess one of the trends that sticks out to me when you ask that question is the emergence of this chief revenue officer role, mm-hmm. um, which in some cases is is really still the head of sales, but in many cases is somebody who owns sales and marketing. And so it's very interesting to me that at, in the C-suite, sales and marketing are starting to converge uh, under one single position. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of good that can come from that. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see who get, goes into those roles because you can really enter it from a sales or a marketing uh, position. But I do feel like organizationally, as we begin to really bring sales and marketing under the same umbrella, that's going to really change the game. Mm, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. And first, uh, but let me just mention something else. Your uh, your video with Daryl Prail from uh, Vanilla Soft, he mentioned hotbabe at gmail.com, and I really don't appreciate him just throwing my email address out there for everyone. <laughs> Duly noted, Douglas. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that from my perspective, I've seen uh, more interest in sales and marketing alignment um, because of the notion that sales is uh, feeling like they can't can't do it all themselves like they used to, uh, and uh, there's 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 sort of that it's driven by that need to align sales and marketing. And the the example I often give is when my dad needed to buy a car, first place he went to was the dealership. And that's because they had all the information. So it was pretty typical of, a, of an example where the seller had the information and the buyer wanted it and they could extract that pound of flesh along the way. And then the other example is when my wife wanted to buy a new car a couple of years ago, where do you think was the last place she went to get information? Mm. Anyone? Yeah. Google? Not the dealership, her husband. No, right. <laughs> yeah. But my point is that... That's that's the same sort of problem that that, that we're running into uh, mm-hmm. with the with the sales and marketing alignment. And you know, we all like to talk about how marketing and sales are changing. It's really just because the way our customers buy has changed, <laughs> and that is what seems to be, uh, in many instances, the straw that's stirring the drink uh, that's mm-hmm. requiring closer work between sales and marketing alignment. And the reason I say that is, if anyone's ever seen a movie and you've seen a continuity error. Um, some people are obsessed with these things. When when your sales and your marketing are not aligned, mm-hmm. it's uh, a really obvious to the customer, and it's like a real continuity error. So that's just one of the many uh, problems uh, that sales and marketing alignment can help to solve. And just to add one thing real quickly to what Douglas said, um, you mentioned sales uh, people not being able to do it on their own anymore. I think never has that been more true than in the last year. Um, because there are a lot of companies out there that either haven't had marketing or have been sales-led organizations. And in many cases, they relied on events, mm-hmm. um, in-person networking, conferences, trade shows, et cetera, to drive their leads. And those, for a lot of companies, those have been great lead sources. But with COVID hitting and eliminating the possibility of doing those things, a lot of organizations had to shift very quickly and and there was this this shift over to digital marketing to to shore up what was a diminishing event lead pipeline and so i feel like the last year has been a great forcing function for this you know i, I always say if i had a dollar for every time somebody complained about sales and marketing alignment i'd be living on my own private island in a palace um but i think this year it's really forced us to address it 
uh, more so than ever because we've been put in this very unique situation because of COVID where a lot of traditional sales channels have dried up. Yeah, absolutely. Kathleen brings up an, an excellent point. Uh, and it, and I think the uh, this past year we've gone from this whole sales marketing alignment issue being the pebble in the shoe that we just, it's uncomfortable, but we're still able to get around uh, pretty well until we can, you know, break for a moment, get the rock out of the shoe to something that again is no longer tolerable. And so uh, to, to both Kathleen and Douglas, uh, what do you see uh, this is an overall forcing function. Uh, obviously, buyers have more information. They're more in charge of the process. As Kathleen said, we don't have the same things that instigate conversations. We don't have the same venues and opportunities to get in there and, and do a lot of discovery and uh, that sort of thing. We continue to see salespeople um, rated by buyers as being unprepared or irrelevant. Where are the areas that you see of being the, the big gaps, the big misses with buyers when we can't get ourselves aligned? Uh, Douglas, do you want to take it first? Sure. Well, I think that, uh, you know, that one of the big problems uh, is that marketers have traditionally, and I'm saying all these things I'm going to say, a lot of people have been told to do this, and it's an observation, not a, not a criticism. But a lot of marketers have created content that basically focused on the top of the funnel or the beginning of the buyer's journey, yeah. when really they ought to be starting with what does the sales team need to close a sale tomorrow? Uh, in other words, with somebody who's already uh, met with you, and then uh, work your work your way up. The, the truth is that um, sales and marketing, there was a CEB Gartner study a while back that talked about, you know, the perceptions of salespeople by marketers and the perceptions of marketers by salespeople. And like 75% of the observations were, were negative. So, you know, th th there's always going to be that, that friction there. Um, but I think that if, well, like, just like your graphic, uh, Daryl, <laughs> if you can start the conversation and talk about revenue, which is why, you know, your book was, uh, I, I particularly like that. Yeah. Because I, I really like books that tie sales and marketing together. So anytime I have a book about sales and marketing alignment, it's great. Um, but if they can talk about uh, the revenue and then do that pretty simple math working backwards and then mm -hmm. have that conversation about what does an ideal lead look like? Presto, you're, you're probably in the, the front half of the class right there, just figuring out, well, who is it we want to say no to? Who is our most profitable customer? Just those kinds of, of conversations mm -hmm. can be in, enormously uh, helpful in determining, uh, in getting better uh, sales and marketing alignment. And the only thing I want to mention, addition to that is don't focus just on the number of leads because they might be like in that funny video we saw, they might be really horrible leads. Uh, focus on pipeline. In other words, mm -hmm. uh, measure the sales accepted leads. Okay. And then figure out w what is it about them. And then so you can sort of lift and shift your fires to use a military term to focus on, on those kinds of things. Um, amen to everything that Douglas just said. I, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of not just aligning sales and marketing in terms of metrics, but I would actually, and this is sort of controversial. Some people don't agree with this, but I've gone so far as to say they should be more aligned in their comp because salespeople are compensated based on closed one pipeline. And then you have marketers who are compensated on things like MQLs. 
which is, you know, it sets up this 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 uh, misalignment right from the very beginning. I think if marketers were comped more like salespeople on revenue, and mm. that would force us then to track marketing sourced pipeline as the key metric, which I really think is where what we need to be looking at. When you look at MQLs, it it not only sets up the wrong incentives, you know, it, it focuses us as marketers on bringing, you know, checking the box with MQLs, bringing in somebody who supposedly meets the criteria. And that leads to the debate you heard in the video earlier. But what really matters is do those MQLs turn into opportunities um you know and, and if that if they are then great then a rising tide lifts all boats so i totally agree with douglas i think the other area to me where you know getting back to your question jim where from the customer standpoint there's like a a mismatch between what they experience and how sales and marketer sales and marketing leaders look at the world is when it comes to content um and i was just reading really in, uh, recently an interesting study it was the 2019 edelman linkedin uh, thought leadership impact study. And there were some fascinating stats in there about how um, something like 89% of B2B decision makers, people who are buying uh, things from other businesses, uh, look at thought leadership content as an important criteria in their purchasing decision. Um, whereas only I want to say 59% of sellers see thought leadership content as having value. Um, and, and so there's this, there's this gap, you know, as marketers, I think a lot of us have embraced the notion that thought leadership is important and we work to create content. And then you see some of what you saw in the video earlier of them saying, you know, salespeople never share my content on LinkedIn. And I feel like there's, there's more of an education needed. And this is where we often do fall down as marketers. I think it's upon us to educate our sales colleagues about, you know, the bigger picture around content. It's not enough to just say, hey, here's a new blog, share it on your LinkedIn. We really need to kind of rewind and focus on why are we doing this in the first place and how is it going to help you close more deals? So strong. Yes, and can, let me just add that, um, mm -hmm. and, and Kathleen won't appreciate me saying this, but Kathleen is a marketing leader and her husband is a sales leader and an expert. So she is living the sales and marketing alignment lifestyle. And to that, I say, you know, bravo. Well, so fun fact, my very first podcast, which didn't last very long, was called He Said, She Said, a sales and marketing podcast. And literally, it was the two of us arguing about sales and marketing topics. But since then, so here's something I will say in all seriousness. Since then, we sold our business and um, when I sold it, I, uh, the company that acquired us, I went to work for them for two years and I spent six months on the sales team. Now, when you're a business owner, you are naturally in sales, but I spent six months solely in a sales role. And I will say that I strongly believe that every marketer should spend some time working in sales. It gives you a completely different appreciation for what the sales team needs from you. Uh, and I think makes you much more empathetic. I think it'd be great if salespeople did the same, but <laughs> um, you know, I think that that changes the conversation. But it certainly, for me, had a big impact in terms of how I look at my job. When That's that great. really is the spirit, Kathleen and and Doug, I, this is so spot on because the spirit behind this challenge is to get everyone together, working together, talking together, meeting together, and work and building some of this stuff together. And Douglas, that's when just that first step, it's like you said, it puts you at the front half of the class if you'll, you and that's what we want to accomplish here in the next 10 days. Yes. And, uh, 
I've had about 320 books on the show, one every week, and at least 50 have been sales books. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, as I explain whenever I'm interviewing an author of a sales book, is that uh, the most successful marketers have deep understanding and insights into the sales process and more importantly, into the customer's buying process. Where's the friction? What are the objections? That makes their content uh, quite a bit better. But also, I'm always so surprised at how many salespeople <laughs> listen to the podcast. And there's a story that Mark Hunter may tell later this week when he's uh, when you interview him. In his last book, A Mind for Sales, which is absolutely terrific, mm-hmm. he was working with a client once, and there were these two younger salespeople, and they were really, really doing well. And the company was actually concerned that they were doing something illegal. So they said to Mark, can you kind of spend some time with these guys and find out what they're doing. Well, it turned out they were spending all their time with the marketing people (laughs) and that was making their sales so much better. So it was really a a funny story there. Let let me just mention one other thing about uh, the importance of uh, sales and marketing alignment. It's really very much about communication. Um, So there, uh, you know, there have been a number of books where they, on the show where they talk about how the sales and marketing people aren't even in the same building they're not in mm-hmm. the same city. They might not even be in the same country. So you've got your work uh, cut out for you there. Um, also, if you don't have buy-in, there was a, a book on the show called Creating Togetherness by Jeff Davis, a, mm-hmm. uh, a short book about sales and marketing mm-hmm. alignment. In fact, he wrote it so that a, a executive, a CEO could read it on a flight. And he talks about how he, if, if there's not buy-in from the top about wanting to make this happen, he doesn't actually take them on as a client because it it, it rarely works. But let me just mention one other book because I'm the book guy. If uh, if you only read one book about sales and marketing alignment, I would suggest you read Align to Achieve by Tracy Eiler and Andrea Austin. And that's the story, the, the real life story of a head of sales and a head of marketing. They started to work at a about the same time at a software company. And both of them had worked at companies where sales and marketing were aligned as well as at companies where it wasn't aligned. And the two of them tell the story of how they decided to make it happen. They weren't being told to do this, okay? And what the process they went through to go to the CEO to get buy-in. And it's, it's really well done. And the thing about sales and marketing alignment that I want everyone to understand is that you don't have to do it perfectly. <laughs> if you just do a little bit, you're mm-hmm. going to be better. And that's why at the end of each of their chapters, they have a couple of bullet points and it says, if you only do a few things, do these three things. Right. That's really important. And I would love to to get Douglas from you and as well as from Kathleen. Uh, if you share, it's an observation of what's the status quo at, at a lot of companies. And what I've found in this pre-COVID and, and, and post-COVID is if there's some initiative, like we're going to bring it together. We're going to get our story straight. We're going to, we're going to start getting our processes in line. And there would be some sort of workshop or team meeting uh, in person or virtually. And it never failed uh, that we'd have product and marketing and sales and maybe ops enablement, whomever. We get this, this small team together and there might be people who have worked together in the same organization for years and had never had a conversation together. And it was just the mere 
fact of getting people together with some common goals and, mm-hmm. and talking it through from a revenue perspective, from an efficiency perspective, that uh, was that that elevated everyone and got them moving much faster and much uh, more clearly where they would not have done it before. And as you say, Douglas, they may work in different areas. They have different comp systems. They have different incentives. They have different language, all of those things. And so bringing people together for this and for the follow up work to this challenge seems to by itself generate better ideas uh, and, a, and a really good launching point. But I'm, I'm curious from both of you, do you still see that as the, the starting point, the status quo in most companies? And by the way, at least in my experience, this wasn't just larger companies. A lot of them were, were smaller firms, so they're still not talking to each other. I, I mean, I think I've seen it change a lot for the better in recent years. I think there's more education out there about it. Um, and, and it's interesting, I mentioned when we first started this position of the CRO, which has emerged and kind of brought sales and marketing together. The other trend I'm seeing that that points to this starting to get more attention is that more and more I'm seeing um, SDRs be put under marketing, um, which is interesting. And I think traditionally they were more under sales. And I'm not saying one or the other is correct, but I just think it's it's fascinating to me that there's this blurring of the lines happening at a lot of different levels when it comes to sales and marketing. And I think that's kind of healthy, actually, mm-hmm. um, because it forces us to work more closely together. It forces us to take ownership over the outcomes of the other team. Um, and that's good for, for everybody, quite honestly. But Jim, you said something that I think is really important, which is that communication is at the heart of this. And, it, and I just posted something about this on LinkedIn the other day that when you as a marketing person, when you go from being an individual contributor to being a marketing leader, one of the biggest things that changes is it's less about doing the work. And it's so much more about how you communicate. And that's probably really any leadership role that's true of but, you know, and it's not just as marketers were trained how to communicate externally um, to our audiences, but internally, you also have audiences and and I wouldn't even term them audiences because the nature of that word sounds like you're talking at someone. And really internally, it's about relationship building. And it's just as much about listening as it is about talking. Um, but I'm pretty passionate about what I would call internal marketing, you know, and, and you can do this at any size company. So I'm a, a serial startup marketer, the company where I am right now, um, we're pretty small, but but even in a small company, you have silos. And so like one of the things that I've launched is a weekly marketing newsletter that's internal. So every Friday at four, I send something out to the whole company just saying, here's everything we're working on on marketing. Here are some of our KPIs and how we're doing against them. And then I always include like a fun marketing fact, some random thing that I think people might find interesting that would not normally elevate itself to the level of me having to report on to the rest of the company. But the point is, it's about pulling the curtain aside and and not everybody's going to want to read that. But for those who do want more information, who are interested in what we're doing, it's a peek. It's a peek behind the curtain that they don't often get. And I, I think that internal communication is really, really key, not just with the leaders, not just with other leaders in the company, but with everyone in the company. Yeah. And uh, I'll say it because Jim won't. There's a really good book that Jim wrote. <laughs> It talks about that internal communication. It's so yeah. true. And it's like the dirty little secret of, of my career in the advertising, the, the agency world. Mm-hmm. The most important audience is your internal audience. Uh, then you could go to your customers, then uh, to prospective customers. You know, just uh, because this is the kickoff and I'm feeling great pressure to uh, talk up some of the other folks, 
But there's a very interesting thing uh, that Jeb Blunt, I learned from Jeb, and I've interviewed him about six times, I think. He's a book writing machine. Mm -hmm. And so he's a sales expert. You saw him on the video talking about the Outbound Conference. I've attended two of those. Those are really good, and smart Mm -hmm. marketers should go to the Outbound Conference. Mm -hmm. But he said in an interview once that he gets hired by the head of marketing more than he does by CEOs or the heads of sales which is very interesting because there are a lot of marketers that are doing things really well and they're doing their best. And occasionally the ball is getting dropped as it relates to the the sales process. And so I I always found that interesting that he gets hired by marketers more than, than any other title. Interesting. And I'm encouraged by that. I I think that's very encouraging as well. And you know, it's, it's interesting, Kathleen, going back to the CRO position, which was really, um, it, it actually animated me as I was getting ready to write Revenue Growth Engine. I hope these stats are correct. But in 2018, about 18% of Fortune 1000 companies had a CRO. In 2019, that had grown to 33%. I haven't seen the data for 2020 yet. But what that trend told me was the goal here, we're beginning to realize the goal is not sales. The goal is not marketing. The goal is revenue. And um, I think in terms of looking at where is the uniting thing to bring us all together, it's revenue. It's driving these results. And, and more and more, I, I, love the, I love the CRO, whether you have a CRO, whether you are a CRO or not, it's that mindset of saying it's about this is a revenue office. And, and what can we do to work together to drive revenue? Where, where do you see, as we, as we get ready, we're going to take some questions here in a few moments, and already some great questions are getting teed up in the, uh, in the chat. Feel free to weigh in on that. I'm curious, where, where are you seeing alignment work well? Like what are some, some uh, things you've seen? We've already commented on a few of them, but are there other areas? What other areas have you seen alignment really, really gelling? I mean, I, I talk about content all the time. I'm a, I'm a what I call a content first marketer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I do think that there's been some really great advancements in how marketers and sales teams work together on content creation. And I know Douglas is on the same page with me about this because we, we have a history in this area. But um, in the last five or so years, I've really seen marketers figure out how to put in place great feedback loops with sales teams Mm -hmm. so that they have a way of capturing all of the questions that those sales teams are getting, uh, whether it's about the product or, you know, about really anything having to do with what the company does, and then taking those questions and turning every single one of them into a piece of content so that, you know, anything you're, you're talking about in a conversation should really be something where the salesperson could also say, let me send you a link because we've Mm -hmm. answered that here. And, to me, you know, that I think that the real evangelist for that is Marcus Sheridan, who's who Douglas and I both know um, with his book, They Ask You Answer. And that's a great playbook. In fact, it's funny when I meet with business owners, uh, a lot of times business owners will call me and say, I want to talk to you about my marketing. And I almost always send them that book in advance mm-hmm. of the conversation. And I just say, if you do nothing else, just do this because you don't need a big budget to do that. You know, you don't have to be a large company. All you have to do is, is align around the, the mandate that we need to answer all of our audience's questions 
not just verbally, we've got to do it in writing. And if we do that, um, then not only are we going to attract the right leads for marketing, but marketing will be creating content that sales naturally has an incentive to share. You won't have to beg them to share it on LinkedIn because you're going to be making their life easier in doing it. And I think to me, that's, that's the biggest uh, advancement. And I don't know if that's the right word for it, but that's the biggest accomplishment I've seen sales and marketing teams make together in the last few years. Yeah. So let me add to that. I, when, uh, you know, as, as, uh, make sure to read the second edition of They Ask You Answer because okay. he added a hundred extra pages. It's, it's one of my favorite books. Um, but when, um, you're, when you start to build this culture of, uh, ask, answering your customers' questions, it really takes hold and it, uh, people start to realize, oh, this is, this is helpful. You know, teaching is the new pitching. And uh, the problem that I'd seen in the past and the Mark has talked about and Kathleen, you've probably seen as well is when from the agency world, when we would produce all this content, it was like, great, leave it at the loading dock there. And it would, it would, it just didn't work. <laughs> you, you've got to, it's got to take hold. And yeah. uh, just answering uh, your customers questions. It's so counterintuitive, but it works uh, so well. And it bakes in uh, this focus on the customer. So one other thing, let me mention, because all these books are running through my head, there have been a number of books on the show about agile marketing and why that various aspects of that work really, really well. And the thing that I love about starting to take an approach like that, where you're not trying to get a whole year worth of stuff squared away, you're, you're, you're going in sprints of maybe one quarter, and then you're measuring <laughs> to see how things are going. The thing that's so great about that and that a lot of salespeople like is that it actually forces sales and marketing alignment uh, in order to 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 use that approach. So yeah, uh, it's like wrapping the vegetables up in uh, you know <laughs> cheese to get your kids to to eat it. <laughs> I'm not going to share all my tricks with you, but I think you know what I'm well, that's about. a pretty good one. We've got so a lot that of works cool. for you because I, I want to write that down, Douglas. There yeah. you go. Hey, you my kids are in their 20s today. now, but it's starting I to catch on. Say, Doug, I know how old your kids are, and if you're still having <laughs> their vegetables and cheese, we got a whole another conversation to have. No, I'm a successful dad because they already left. <laughs> that's you so moved good. out. I could get them to stay. Congratulations. Hey, this has been a, a really rich discussion. We've got a, a great questions coming in. I don't think we'll be able to get to all of them, but I want to th uh, just uh, pop a few of them up here on the screen to think about together. Um, Larry Levine weighs in and says, along the line of sales and marketing alignment, what are your thoughts on prospecting and conversation alignment between them and the impact it has on all stages of the customer journey? Great, great question, Larry. Who wants to go for that? I know Jim is dying to say something here. That's right up your alley, Jim. I, I don't want to get in the way of the real experts here. Um, I'll, I'll just put in an observation and then you, you can take it where it really does need to go. One of the very basic things in the alignment on, on uh, prospecting and, and conversationally is where it's misaligned. I, I find that marketing and sales tend to be focusing on different Mm -hmm. uh, stages of a, of a buyer's journey. So uh, oftentimes say uh, marketing can be so focused on early stages, kind of making the, the argument for change and positioning and where sales is often focused on close. 
uh, competitive differentiation to the detriment of, of really looking at underlying problems. So I think just knowing where the conversational nuances are, where the focuses are on different parts of a buyer's journey is, is really important. But I'd, I'd love to hear what Douglas and Kathleen had to say. Yeah, um, I mean, for marketers, the holy grail is the voice of the customer, right? And who has more access to the voice of the customer than the sales team? Mm -hmm. So what's wonderful that has popped up in the last several years is the emergence of all of these new sets of tools out there that make recording sales conversations really easy and then processing the information that comes out of them really easy and, and enabling the sharing of that data really easy. That's such a gold mine. And I think, um, you know, it's great that there there's tools at all different budget levels, but, mm -hmm. you know, and you can be as simple as simply, you know, if you don't have a budget, you're using Zoom and you press record on your Zoom calls and you just share the links to those recordings. It doesn't have to be a software tool, although they certainly make it easier. But the point is, you know, I think Larry's question is great because it really points to this is a critical, critical area where as a marketer, I can say you're losing out if you're not getting insight into the conversation sales is having. And for sales teams, you have, probably have no idea that you're sitting on the pot of gold for marketers. So finding ways to make it easy, make it easier for those two parties to, to share that information is really key. Agreed. Yeah. And I want, again, I say this all the time, one of my favorite books <laughs> was a book called Buyer Personas by Adele Ravella. And it's there's she talks about just five insights that you really need into your customers. And those are really helpful for marketers to have. I mean, you, you need to get all this information from the sales folks, but you also need to talk to your customers. And I can't tell you how many books have been on the show that talk about the linchpin of success <laughs> talking to your customers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an invaluable thing that uh, the marketing people can be doing. The salespeople are busy and they're focused on closing the sale. But when armed with uh, insights that might prompt a prospect to uh, be interested in changing something, um, it's, it's very powerful. There was a, a book on the show called Eat Their Lunch by Anthony Anarino. And he talks mm -hmm. about, it's all about competitive displacement. In other words, going after someone who's not being well cared for by their customer. You don't come in and say, hey, I'm a, a peddler here. You come in and say, I'd like to share with you some insights that you should probably know about that are coming up in the next 18 months based on our experience with companies like yours. That Those kind of insights help you to get uh, meetings. And I'm trying to tie this back to uh, Larry Levine's question about uh, prospecting. Yeah, that's so good. All of this talking to clients is is critical. John McTeague brings a great uh, perspective into this. He says, I know the topic is sales and marketing alignment, but the 800-pound gorilla is customer success. But by the way, uh, and why haven't they been invited to the party? Well, I think they should be. And I also, as we promoted this, the 2021 sales, marketing, uh, customer success and operations alignment challenge just didn't fit into the invitation. But I think if we if we get um, if we also bring customer success, whatever that looks like in your company or operations into the room, that is a best practice that I see happening right now. We've got customer experience as an alignment point on Friday. I'm curious, um, Douglas, what you're seeing in in that area with customer success or operations getting involved in this alignment conversation? Well, the 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 question is a good one, and um, 
you know, sometimes uh, when I give talks, I'll, I'll explain that there's three kinds of companies. Uh, they all split this way. One type is very focused on themselves and their products and their operations. And that's not a bad thing, but that's their primary focus. Mm-hmm. That's probably the largest number. There's another group of companies which are very focused on their competition and they'll never admit it, but most of the strategic decisions they make are monkey see, monkey do. And there's a third group of companies that are uh, focused on those first two things, but more focused on their customers. Hmm. And Amazon's an example of that where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even Jeff Bezos, when he goes to one of these meetings, he insists on there being an empty chair in the conference room. And he invariably points at it because that's the customer. And as people get ready for these meetings, they say, oh, wait a minute, you know what? The boss is going to point at that chair. Oh, I forgot about the customer. <laughs> and so when you are a when you're focused on customer success, I think you're you're clearly focused on, you know, your customers. Meaning, what is it that's irritating them? What is their where's the friction in their life? Is there some way we might be able to help with that? I mean, Amazon invented the one-click ordering system, and they were just because they're obsessed with making things more frictionless for their uh, for their customers. You don't have to be a software company uh, to do that. But even Apple licensed that technology from Amazon because they'd already figured out how to do it. So it's a good question that John uh, is, is asking. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the most six of all these books I've read for the show, the most successful, it, it keeps coming through again and again. The most successful companies are the ones that have the deepest insights into their customers, even just a little bit better. So when you're talking about customer success, yes, absolutely. It's it's a it's a great thing to be talking about. And actually, when you're doing that, it makes selling easier and your content focuses more on what the customer wants rather than your own features and benefits. So all right, I'll, I'll step down That's off good. the soapbox. <laughs> it is a great word. Yeah, it is a great question. And hi, John McTighe, one of my favorite people and an expert in customer journey mapping, I might add. Um Yeah, it's a great question. And what's really interesting is if you look at the Gartner 2020 CMO marketing spend survey, which just recently came out, they talk a lot about this with respect to COVID, that under COVID, the companies that really survived and thrived were the ones that shifted their focus to customer marketing, because that's the easiest path to additional revenue. Those are the people who've already said yes once. So faster revenue too. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, that that came out in that survey. It's really interesting. I recommend checking it out if if you haven't done so already. Um, but I I couldn't agree more. And earlier I said who has more voice of the customer than the sales team? Well, the other one that has the most voice of the customer is customer success. And so for marketers working closely with cust- it's you know, it's I, I actually say it's a four-legged stool. A lot of people say three, but marketing, customer success, product and sales, those are the teams that really have to work closely together. Um And so for sure, focusing on your existing customers and the problem, I will add one last thing on this. Again, it came out in the Gartner survey because they looked at what metrics marketers were being measured by. And it's a lot of it is MQLs and SQLs that totally refocuses marketer attention away from customers because it really shifts it and make and makes you look at new revenue. Whereas if we had more mar- metrics focused on upsells and cross-sells, or as I mentioned earlier, marketing sourced pipeline, mm-hmm. then we would be able to focus more closely on customers. What a fantastic conversation with Douglas and Kathleen. You know, this is a time where we need to get aligned. And if you'd like some help getting aligned, 
visit www.2021alignmentchallenge.com and there you'll find recordings of all the sessions along with resources and worksheets to help you get started. So as we've been saying, we've got to get it done in 2021. Thank you to everybody who is out there working to drive revenue growth. And also a special thanks to everybody who's leaving reviews on the podcast and sharing these episodes with your peers. I deeply appreciate it. We've got more exciting information to share next week. And until then, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.